Lord, we thank you that uh, you want to speak to, you, to us, and it's your desire to speak to us, and it always is your desire. Jesus, you are identified as the Word of God, and you are the communication of God. And Lord, we want to hear what you are saying, and thank you that everything that you say brings life. Everything that you say is, is for our good. You don't say anything that isn't entirely for our good to bring us freedom, to bring us life, uh, to bring us victory. And um, so, Lord, we open up our ears to hear what you are saying. We, hear, we want you to build your church. We're not interested in what we can do at all. Uh, but we are most definitely interested in you building your church. And so, unless we hear from you, we can't be a part of that. So, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel just the heart of God wanting, um, and I just want to encourage you with this, that even I just kind of prayed along these lines, that, you know, the, that as obvious as this perhaps seems, that Jesus actually wants to do you good. And uh, hearing him... And what he says to us is actually for our good. Um, so I know we know that, but like what I mean, sometimes we look at the Bible and look at the things that it says, and it's kind of like this list of things that we need to do. And it's like this grueling thing. And if I'm actually spiritual enough, then maybe I'll actually, you know, successfully do all this stuff. Uh, but like, you know, I don't know if I'm not like on that level of, of that echelon of Christianity. And actually, all he wants is for our hearts to be open to him where we can hear him and when we hear him to have a big yes in our heart and if we can just do that just believe what he says his word actually works in us to be able to give us the desires of what he says thanks lauren you know like right on my point his (laughs) sorry his word actually works it got (laughs) worse Oh, that was brilliant. All the kids can be dismissed now. If you're under the age of 13, please just get out of here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, except for you, actually. So I would encourage you with that, that actually the heart of the Father is, is just that. He is benevolent for you. And it doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Nothing we can do actually is too big for him, actually. And just remember that. So let's talk about some things. We're, we're, we're looking at um, kind of or, or talking about what we consider our core values as a, as a church. And um, so what we're doing over these couple weeks is basically what I, what I like to say cutting and bleeding, which is maybe is a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, a violent picture. But what I mean by that is, you know, you, you, you cut and what comes out is your blood. And, and that's like your life. It's, your, it's, your, it's the core. It's who you are. It's what's in you. And uh, so what we're doing is cutting uh, and for, for us to be able to see what is in the heart of this particular church. Um, it's not to say that we've got a corner on all things good and all things God and, and the kingdom of God. It's to say, let's build together and kind of know what we're building and know what this thing is about and allow these things to penetrate into our own lives, our own hearts, our own lives, uh, but, but see together the values that I believe that God has called this church to operate in. Cool? One of those things has been the centrality of Jesus, that actually Jesus is, is everything in this church. He's everything. Now, again, we like to say that, but sometimes I, I would say most of our problems in church hinge on that one thing right there. 
we get off that one simple truth of, and pursuit, not even just the truth, but the pursuit, the heart pursuit. Jesus is everything. He's not calling us to be, you know, like perform for him. He is everything. He just needs our heart. And uh, so last week we, we talked about relationship with God. And what we're going to talk about now is relationship with each other. So community. This thing is not just a kind of a nice little thing that we like, you know, our preference. Our, we like community. We like doing life together because it's like the cool thing to do in church now. Um, and there's like this buzzword that flies through um, like memes in ch- the church world on social media about doing life together, you know, because we're like hip and trendy and cool. That's not, there's, it's actually deeply rooted in the kingdom of God and in the word of God, this idea of community. So I'm just trusting that as we speak for the next couple of minutes, some of that would be unveiled to us so that we could see the value of relationship with each other and community. How many of you know we're not forming as awesome as this moment is right here and necessary? This is not forming a whole lot of community, what we're doing in this present moment. Am I right? I'm not building a whole lot of community with Michelle at the moment. She might be hearing something in my heart, but I'm not hearing anything. You know, so we need to spend time together. And uh, just to illustrate this, I'll just share a, a, a quick story or two. Uh, when I, two let's re- reverse the clock about 12 years, I guess it was. Jesus, getting old. But 2005, about, thereabouts. I was in a uh, small city called Dublin. But not the Dublin you're thinking of. It was Dublin, Georgia, population of 22,000. Uh, having grown up in, in a city called Atlanta, and uh, Minda had, and I had been in, in Dublin for a few years. We, we knew we were called into kind of like a full-time church leadership capacity. We, we knew some things about our call. And the reason that we were in Dublin was to be a part of this ministry, a very unique ministry that was based there and a church that was based there, doing amazing things. And a lot of it was training people to be sent out and, and, to, and to do things like church planting or things like that. And so we, God, we know that, that this, this was like a hand of God leading us to this place. It's an amazing thing. But I was a couple years into being on this journey. And um, how many of you know in every church there are strengths and there are weaknesses, Right? And uh, even in this church, as great as we'll become, hopefully, in something, we are going to be weak in some areas. Can we be comfortable with that? You know what else? You're going to be weak in some areas because the church is made up of humans, last time I checked. So, and that's cool, to be comfortable in your own shoes. You were good at some things, called to do some things well. And, and so this church was called to do some things well and other things, community being one, maybe not so well as well. So there I was, 2005, and I had been slogging it out. I, we were working full-time jobs, at least, at least I was working two jobs, and Minda was working, and we were uh, leading the, the high school ministry, we were leading the junior high ministry, we were uh, studying theology, we were in some other disciple, I mean, we were, we were busy, and uh, my friend Don Williams, some, of, some people in this room actually know him, he asked me to, uh, why don't we do, do a lunch together, so, you know, uh, we like met at 12 o'clock at Sonny's, Sonny's Slow Pit Barbecue. Right. Y- y'all in Michigan don't know about this. Uh, so we were, we were, uh, we met at Sonny's Slow Pit Barbecue at 12 o'clock. And I remember I, I got in there and I'm looking at my, you know, I've got things to do and, you know, let's get, let's, let's connect. And so we, we met for lunch and um, early on in the conversation, so, so Don had been my campus pastor earlier when I kind of first came into the church world and, and had uh, kind of like a, a, a moment, a time of where my relationship with Jesus began kind of in my late teens. 
And he was my campus pastor and had been very influential in my life. And then subsequent to that had become very close to Don and his wife Kim had become very close to Mend and I. And so, and we had moved to the city of Dublin together from another city. And we had once shared like, you know, um, moments at their house with other campus college friends. We had, we had shared laughs together, tears together, our dreams and our hearts together. We had history together, right? We had come to the city of Dublin for the same, on the same trajectory in life. We were both felt called into full-time ministry. And here we were in the city, and, and he asked me to come to eat lunch. And we're talking, and he's now the associate pastor in the church, and I'm, you know, I'm the whatever. I'm, I'm the youth, youth minister uh, working hard to support myself. And um, so anyways, he, he, I remember short into the, shortly into this time together, he just looked at me, and there was like this, have you ever sat down with a friend and it's like you have to break the ice? You know what I'm talking about? So it was like this thing, this odd feeling of I'm sitting across this table from this guy who I have heard his deepest stuff in life. He's confided in me. We've shared tears together. And, um, and there's this ice. And I realized in that moment, it's simply due to the fact that there's such a time gap of the last time we've really talked to each other, not seen each other high-five at church, like connected. And like there's this ice that we have to break. And he looked in my eyes and he said, how are you doing, Paul? And like the, the knee-jerk, I was going to give him the rote response, you know, like, oh, you know, God's good and, you know, what? I, actually, I've never talked that way, but <laughs> sorry. If, sorry, I don't mean to be offensive. I'm not trying to, if you say God is good as your rote response, that's cool, whatever. But I was just going to give him kind of like, you know, we're doing well. Yeah, thanks. And, but it was like the way he was looking at me was like he wasn't going to be satisfied with something a little bit deeper than that. And he had that history with me where I know this is the kind of guy that I could share with. And I just started opening up and sharing. And then he shared. And, and that whole thing about we got to get out of here one hour, I've got, you know, I've got to meet clients, kind of went out the door. And it was two hours later before we actually left. And when I left, I had the distinct sense of who I am. The core of who I am has been seen and acknowledged by somebody who's in my corner. And we have shared the deepest things in the process of this conversation between one another. That I've been able to have the privilege of saying things that hopefully were an encouragement to him. And he has spoken some things that really encouraged me. And, um, and it just was like, this is life. Do you know what I'm saying? This is... It's like that thing I felt encouraged and bolstered to go out of that Sonny's slow pit barbecue and take on the world with what I was called to do. I feel like there's something necessary in that. I walked away from that, from that moment realizing that I am in a frenetic rat race of church activity. Virtually every night I'm in some leader's meeting or I'm leading this meeting or I'm doing that thing, and I'm in this theological, tra- I'm all this stuff in rooms with people, just like we are right now, and yet, this little encounter with Don Williams exposed the fact that actually, apart from my wife, I'm alone. I didn't know I was alone until that moment when somebody said, how are you doing, Paul? Actually, like, I'm in orbit right now, going through the motions, and I vouched in that moment there has to be a way to do church on mission, doing the mission and the work that God has called us to do, where we do not forsake the fact that we're family. We live with one another. 
And it's a necessary part of what Jesus has always intended his church to be. So if you'll look with me, 1 John 1.3. Can you do that if you have a Bible or a Bible app or anything? And if you don't, that's cool too. But I'm just going to read this scripture. Listen to this. The, go- the goal of the gospel is fellowship. Just take that to heart for a moment and hear those words. The goal of the gospel is actually fellowship. And that fellowship is with him and then in that with each other. And ultimately with the people of this world. That is the goal of the gospel, is fellowship. So let me, let me put this into, 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 into perspective. The goal of the gospel is not church attendance. It is not that this church would, would or any church for that matter, would, would grow in numbers. What good does that actually do if unity, oneness, fellowship is not actually being accomplished? And that fellowship happens first, as I said, between a person and God, which is the very thing that Jesus has opened up through his death and his resurrection, is that we can enter into relationship with him. True union between heaven and earth. But that that relationship is not materialized, it's not fulfilled until as well as I have a reunion with God, it materializes in having union with other people who also have had that, and that we actually are on a mission, very simply, to form union with this God with other people who don't have it. It's actually all about fellowship. And 1 John 1.3 says this, we proclaim, this is John, you know John, the guy who wrote John and Revelation, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's one of the disciples. He's one of the 12 that, God, that Jesus called as, as an apostle. And this statement right here serves as a thesis statement, if you will, for the whole letter that he wrote here in 1 John. It is the point. And he says this, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Why? So that you also may have fellowship with us. That was the reason that he penned this letter, was for the sake of us being able to have fellowship. In other words, share together in the same thing. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So the goal is not mega church. It's, it's, it's not, uh, I'm, I'm, look, I, you know, I have nothing against mega churches um, it, in of themselves. The goal is not numbers for numbers sake. The goal is not having powerful meetings even. How many of you like to have powerful or have been touched in your life by powerful church meetings where it was like God was like in the room? You ever had that experience? Like, I love that. Like, I, honestly, I used to have addiction problems in my late teens. I'm, I'm just being blunt with you because most of you know it already. I mean, I was, and I, 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 honestly, like, I, that experience trumps everything that, from a, from a chemical standpoint, geez, I'm digging a hole now, big time. What, what are you talking about, Pastor? This is weird. I'm being real. But honestly, that, I love that, but it's not the goal. If all we have is awesome church meetings, but there's no union, fellowship, actual union in the same way that Jesus shares union with the Father and the Spirit all together, they are one. That same oneness is to materialize in this earth as a sign to this earth of the reality of heaven. That has to be the goal. So I just want you to pause and reflect for a second here. Everything in our heart that would counter that goal is our enemy. In your marriage relationship, everything that would counter union, oneness with one another, that's the enemy. In our friendships and in our church relationships, everything that would counter 
oneness, that we are together. Now, let me, let me can I, speaking of Michelle, of being real, probably in a church plant right now, there are probably people in this room that you already have formed judgments about and have thought, I'll never be friends with that person. Come on. <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I mean by that? There, there's, we, we, we begin to judge, we begin to sometimes even accuse in our heart, and those things form barriers. And so one of the things that I'm wanting to say tonight is anything like that, let's reckon it for exactly what it is. It's our enemy. Why? Because the goal is oneness. So I'm not saying that everybody in here has to be best friends. You know that, right? There are some personalities that I'm just never going to find it, it fun to be, do what I did with Aaron and fly six or five hours across the United States to go to Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like some personalities, I would be like, okay, Jesus, I love you and I love this person, but I'm going to go for a bathroom break now for about an hour. <laughs> and that's fine. But the moment that I can't receive or love a person because of some judgment or irritation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we have a problem. So the goal isn't megachurch, it's not powerful meetings, it's not numbers for numbers' sake. It's, it's fellowship. The, listen to this. The ultimate goal is oneness with him and ultimately perfected through oneness with each other. So if you'll look with me to John 17, uh, uh, verses 20 through 23. So Jesus was on the cross and he does what some have called kind of the high priestly prayer. And that's to say this. At the end of Jesus' three and a half years of giving it all for raising up the, the disciples, the 12 as well as the larger group of, of disciples that were with him, here he is on the cross and he's praying the final prayer. And we need to put his, his words that we're about to read into perspective. This is it. This is Jesus' final prayer in earthly bodily form on the earth. He's praying over everything that he had just given his life for, and now he's actually dying for. He's praying for what we would call today the church. And he's praying for those that he had been with, but he's also praying for those who would believe in the days to come and become a part of this amazing entity called the church. And here is his prayer. Please catch this with me. No matter what our idea of church has been, let these words redefine what church really is intended to be in his heart. He prays this. My prayer is not for them alone. That means the people that were actually physically with him in that time 2,000 years ago. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That means you and me, should we have placed our faith in Jesus. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Let's grab a picture of that heart of Jesus. Community. It's not just some institution. It's the same caliber of relationship that he enjoyed with his heavenly father that we would enjoy with one another through our relationship with him. That changes things in my regard. That makes Sonny's slow pit barbecue a whole lot more valid church and not just Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Thank you, buddy. I, I didn't pause for, like, um, for, for, you know, that dramatic effect. I actually just lost my place here. <laughs> that they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That says to me 
that fundamental to all of our, shall I say, evangelistic strategies of wanting to see others encounter what we have encountered and to become part of this family, fundamental is not just going out there and doing some witnessing, as you might hear in church. Actually, the world needs to see a church that is one, that they would believe that you have sent me on account of the community that I see here on earth that reflects the heart of heaven with one another. Our relationships with the dude in this room or the dudette in this room that you think has nothing to do with your life has huge implications on the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose in the city of Detroit. I lost my place again. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they... What would be one as we are one? I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What does one actually mean? It's simply, it, it, it has a lot of applications, but certainly one of them would, would be this, that there are no separations. That's the fundamental concept of one becoming two, is that is division. A separation that distinguishes one and another. And Jesus' prayer for us is that we would be knitted together as one. That there would not be separations. In other words, that there would not be divisions, that there would not be judgments, that there would not be walls. And I want to say this about perhaps this city, uh, this awesome city that we live in. How many of you know there are a lot of divisions between people? Am I, am, is that just me or is that... There, I mean, I've, I've lived in, in the city of Detroit now for five months. I've walked down midtown. I've hung out in downtown. I've met people who are on another planet from five miles into the east side of Detroit. You might as well be in another country, right? And the twain shall never mix. I want to say, in God's economy, and God's plan, let us be one, and actually let it be heralded outside of Detroit that God is real because look at how people have come together, not under the banner of some church, but under the banner of Jesus, having encountered him. That's what we want to see. So um, it, it, we've got some differences of personalities and backgrounds in this room, but honest, honestly, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, we're like homogenous at the moment, if truth be told. Uh, it's going to significantly change, and we need to have a huge capacity for people who voted differently than us, uh, people who think differently, people who irritate us, yeah. right? Real community. It's cool if you naturally hang out with other people more than others. I'm going to, if, if truth be told. Uh, but, but to be able to have the capacity where we have no division at here. How does that begin? doesn't begin with our desire to be one with each other. It begins with having no divisions between me where no one else is in the room, just me and him. My oneness with him enables me. It fuels my passion to have oneness with you. And boy, do I ever need that passion sometimes with some of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Shh. No, <laughs> Ditto. Exactly. Rodney's my father-in-law, so... He, he knows, he knows the, 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 the reality. So having said that, let me just point out two things. Uh, to, again, to remind us of the simplicity of what Jesus was actually starting. Do you know this thing? That Je by the way, what we're walking in here 
Border City Church in this room is simply, if we're doing it right, a continuation of the very thing that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. We somehow have this idea that Jesus and what we read about in the Gospels is like this thing that Jesus did. But we kind of all know that in maybe modern Western society, church is Sunday and you get dressed up and you do your thing and you, it's like an hour, hour and a half and like, that's what church is. And maybe you do like a midweek thing and that's, that's what church is. And like there's this divide between the radicalness of what Jesus did, like where people were literally living, leaving their livelihood of, of, of making, of, of fishing or whatever the case of tax collecting, leaving their livelihood to follow him, like all the eggs in the Jesus basket, radical stuff, and we somehow think like, but that was like, for two, that, was a, that was cultural context. I, I'm, I'm not trying to mock, but I, honestly, like, I don't want something watered down. I, I, like, either it's real or it's not. I want to be all in to something that's real. Or let's just go, you know, <laughs> do some other stuff <laughs> than church, you know. So... I was getting on a point there, and it's this. If you look with me quickly, Mark chapter 3. just want to read this, this scripture. You don't even need to look with me. I just want to, this is interesting. The movement that Jesus began, we call it the church, but it's like a movement. It's like a, a, a revolution. The revolution that Jesus began was based on community. Listen to this. Mark three thirteen and 14. Jesus went up to a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, the 12, and they came to him, and he appointed 12, listen to this, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. We hear about the appointment of the apostles, and we think, oh, yeah, because, you know, he's going to hand over the baton to them, and, and, like, they were going to go called to preach. But we miss this first part, that they would be with him. That was the culture of what Jesus began. Community, as in, like, time with each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just spent five and a half hours in a plane to L.A. with Aaron, and, and on the way back, and we, and we had some experiences together. There are people in L.A., actually not just in L.A., but, but around the world, because it was kind of a, a, a joining together of people from around the USA. And, and, and now, do you know Aaron is A-A-Ron? And, and there, there are people who, who, who know him as this. And, uh, and he knows, and I know some habits of, of this man, who had to slip away to go to a concert, by the way. No, it was scheduled months ago. So, so we have, like, like, nicknames, and we've got shared memories, and do you know what I'm saying? That's church. That's, that's like, this idea of community. And if you look also with me, you don't have to if you, if you can't. Real quick, Acts 2.42. So you move on from, from what Jesus began with the 12, and you look, and, we, and we've referenced this in, in times past. Acts 2.42, the beginnings, like the beginnings, the first church plant ever in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus ascended into heaven. And uh, this description in this verse says of what church life looked like. And I, I'd call them uh, kind of like the four pillars of church community life. It says this, that they devoted themselves to, number one, the apostles' teaching, which means the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, the oration of the Word of God. How many of you know that that is important? So as much as I'm all about community and relationship, we still believe in this, what's happening right now. But it's a fueling of what we do. It's not the thing. Right? So if we're just coming to church to be blessed so we can be encouraged and go live our lives out there somewhere, that's not it. We are being built into something. When we gather together, God wants to speak to us as a unit to make us one so that we would be built together and accomplish a mission together. 
We're actually an army. We're not just coming to be blessed and all that. So, yeah, baby, come on now. They devoted themselves to the, number one, apostles' teaching, and to, number two, fellowship. Time with one another. Uh, For me, some of the most brilliant moments in life are sitting across a table. I'm going to do this later on with some people. Sitting across a table, sharing a meal, sharing laughs, maybe sharing tears, sharing life, getting to know one another, and, and doing this thing together. Fellowship. Speaking of that, number three, breaking of bread. Some have translated that or interpreted that to mean uh, communion, which I'm certainly not saying it isn't, and we're going to have communion this Thursday, by the way. So come join that. Uh, but, but meals, and then fourthly, prayer, which is any kind of corporate dialogue with the Father. That includes what we did earlier tonight. Worship is a f- the greatest form of prayer, perhaps. Um, Uh, but just any kind of corporate. So you and I have our own relationship with God. When we gather together, we need to have our corporate relationship with God. Is that making sense? Those four things. We, the sky is the limit of what church can look like as long as we hold on to the core tenets of what God intended. I believe those four things. Hold those things intact and and we we can make it whatever it needs to be for this generation and for this particular city. And so finally... Actually, what, uh, yeah, let me just say this real quick. The purpose of the church happens primarily through human community and relationship. So I'm not going to go into the depths of this, but if you look at Ephesians 4, Paul lays out the purpose of the church. That's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture there is about how it accomplishes its purpose, the fundamental way it, it all works, and basically says that he, gave, he ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to the church, some as apostles, some as prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some people would call these the fivefold ministry gifts. It simply means that people who are anointed or are called by God to preach and teach and reveal, bring revelation of, of, of kingdom truth, truth to people. And, uh, but the purpose of those gifts is to equip believers to do the work of the ministry. So are we all in agreement with that? The work of the ministry is done by who? So not just the, um, only the ordained few. The whole idea is that the whole church does the work of the ministry, being equipped by those gifts, but then it elaborates on what that actually looks like. And if we read that, I think you'll agree with me that most of the purpose of the church, i.e. you and me, actually would only practically be worked out in the context of community and relationship. So here's what maturity looks like for you and for me. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro or tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. But most importantly, listen to this, verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Can Jason speak to... um, to David, the truth and love in this moment right now. In this very moment, like right now. I mean, maybe he could, but I would really be irritated by it. Be like, Jason, dude, can you do that over coffee later? You see what I'm saying? The, the whole the ma- picture of maturity is that the church grows by each person being able to speak encouraging words to one another, the truth and love, and the, per- and the end product of that is that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Do you guys believe that? 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The whole idea is that we together as a community, yes, there are times like this that kind of equip us and, and set us on the right path and the trajectory and deals with our hearts and encourages us for what we're called to do. It's outside of this that the work actually happens in community. And the last time I checked, receiving truth spoken in love happens in the context on, of a bridge of trust that has been accomplished. And that bridge of trust happens by time spent. So let's talk just real quick or identify some practical elements as we kind of close this thing of what we need to do to accomplish this awesome, ta this awesome goal, vision that God has for his church of oneness. Obviously, and this isn't even in my list, but let me reiterate, the first thing is oneness between you and God. If we actually want to see the will of God being done, we oftentimes think, what do I need to go do? Almost kind of like, okay, God, you, you stay there, okay? I'll go take care of it, and we, you know, go off and do that. That's not, he hasn't called it, he's the only one who can do this thing. You need restoration in your, in your, in your uh, life, it's not going to happen by you just getting some principles and, okay, God, you, you, well, we'll take care of it now. We'll, we'll come back to you when we got it sorted. No, actually, it's a turning to him, heart open to him, knees bent, Lord, lead me, be with me. Every step of the way, that's the pathway to anything from restoration to being equipped to walk in the call that God has on your life from before the foundations of the earth. So that's the first thing. But practically speaking, what do we need to do? Number one, spend time with each other. Not as some duty, but I'm just encouraging you, invite people over to your home. Like we have this, uh, this American uh, devotion to Sunday church, and I love it, actually. Like I got ticked off leading a church in South Africa. I'm like, where is your commitment? But Americans, man, we come to church, and we don't go on vacation like ever. You don't know that, but the rest of the world, they're on, like, vacation big time, other than Asia. But in Europe, my gosh, South Africa, wow, whole lot of it. Uh, but, but we're committed to this, like, Sunday morning, like, we've got to, and I'm, I'm committed to it. But what I'm saying is, as important as that is, is time across the table. In invite each other over. Go do stuff together. And it doesn't have to all be about what you read in 1 Corinthians this week. Like, just share life with one another. Be real. Number two would be don't f be fake. What I mean by that is, like, when we get together as church, sometimes some of us have this default mechanism of, and I remember when I heard this, because I didn't grow up in this thing, okay? So the first time I heard somebody say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. And you're, like, laughing, but I, I want you to, like, feel the pain of that. Like, what the heck is that? This, like, thing. And, like, you ask them how people are doing. Praise the Lord. God is, in, like, okay, that's cool. Like, if you really mean that, that's cool. But we, there's definitely a barrier if all we say is this glowing stuff and we, we never, like, share. When Don Williams asked me, Paul, how are you doing? I could have done the whole, you know, well, you know, Don, all the time. God is. Or I could have, like, actually... <laughs> Share life with, with them, and I'm better for it, for having not been fake, but, but opening up my heart. So first, don't be fake with God, because he already knows everything anyway. 
uh, it starts with vulnerability, but, but then it, it transcends into uh, realness with one another. Thirdly would be keep the air clean. So when there's that thing, offense, that bitter thing that you have, somebody might have done something that you, don't, you haven't forgiven them, or perhaps there's just a judgment you have against them, you kind of, we all do it, right? Within like five minutes of meeting somebody, you can already like have this person in their category and you, you know what they are. Do you, here's the thing. Every single person on this planet is called by God into something glorious and God sees huge value on every single person. Now, I know we know that, but, like, I'm talking about the person that you see nothing in. Like, they are the, a loser. Like, you talk bad about them. On, you know, not that we ever do that in church. Come on. Every single person has value and dignity, and to, even if you're not going to be best friends with them, to at least engage your faith in that reality when you're communicating with somebody. So, anyways, so, so uh, keep the air clean. Don't allow any offense. Don't allow any bitterness or judgments, anything that would, that would uh, be an affront to oneness. Uh, what are we, number four? And just two more. I say give to each other whatever we have. So, so what I mean is having a heart to be a blessing to one another, because community is actually sharing. That's, that's the idea. It's actually sharing. So, so the other week, you know, we, we kind of prayed for the Pates. They were encountering something. Their, their challenge, guess what? If they're with us, that's our challenge. Amen. It's not just theirs. It's our challenge. Um, we own this thing together. So to have that posture, everybody wants to be in a community like that, by the way. Do you know that? Cheers used to tell us that. Everybody knows your name. Do, 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 do. Everybody wants that, and to know that you've got people in your corner. How does that happen? By people initiating a giving heart. And uh, can I additionally say, we, in, the, in the warmer months, we are going to be doing a whole lot more of doing things with the community to build relationship with the community, our neighborhood, around this church building, okay? Uh, as soon as the warmer months kick up and people start coming out of their, 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 their cave, of hiding. I'm, I'm still learning Detroit, but boy, is that ever a reality. We all kind of like huddle into our houses. And so when the warmer months kick, kick in, we're going to be um, doing things with, to build into community. We don't need to build community by necessarily telling somebody about the three tenets of the gospel every time you meet somebody. Can, are we in agreement? The idea is that every single person, God knew them before the foundations of the earth. And they may be in a pile of mess, who knows? The beggar that I see on the, on the side of the road, it breaks my heart every day. I don't know what to do. Like, how do I do something? But the reality is God sees purpose and destiny, and it's our privilege to be able to extend oneness, the heart of Jesus that says, come and be one with me. Not receive Jesus and then you can be one, I'm extending oneness towards you. And as they experience our oneness towards them, which is a reflection of God's heart towards them, they can receive, hopefully, perhaps, the same Jesus who wants to bring them into restored relationship with God the Father. So we're not just trying to impose religion on people. We're wanting to be one and call, let me, let me, let me share your life, whatever that may be, with you. 
and engage in relationship. And then lastly is have real relationship with the community, which is what I just said. So really practically, two ideas that I would say. Number one, this Thursday, uh, come to this dinner. It starts at 6.30 here in the church building. Come, And, and the, the reasons, because we do dinner. It's one of the four things that I mentioned earlier, breaking of bread together. And uh, that begins to build a bridge. So am I necessarily going to have an earth-shattering, life-changing conversation with Craig Pate? And that may be, but probably not. But there might be an experience that takes the relationship one step further to where that leads to one thing, to where over time we actually have a relationship where we're good to one another. It takes time. You build into it. Build, you, you work on a marriage, you work on church relationships, but that work yields huge benefit uh, for the purpose that we have. And then I would also say, hang with us before, like we do, we have coffee, and hang with us right now, like afterwards. So I'm going to close right now. We good? And uh, this is what I want to do. I want to, like, oftentimes you'll see pastors end a, a sermon, and they'll, they'll make it a time to, to come. They call it an altar call. And, like, you can come forward, and you can... You can, like, receive Jesus. And so I'm, I'm not even going to, like, do, I, I'm not going to wait for you. I'm going to call on people right now to come forward by name. <laughs> to, to, but, but you don't know what I'm, what I'm doing. It actually has nothing to do with any kind of altar call. I'm just going to highlight three people, and we're going to get to know them a little bit more. Because sometimes as you know something about a person, it becomes easier to, to, uh, to kind of relate to them. So could I ask Jason Faraday, Lauren Weinzerl, and Trisha uh, Krasinski to come forward and stand up here with me. And let's, and, and as they come forward to repent and to give their, <laughs> let's, so they don't know it. They're, they're finding out about this in the moment. But uh, what I have done is I've asked someone who is close to each of these three people to answer five questions about them. Nothing is, is going to be embarrassing. I promise you. I promise you. Um, but, uh, but we're just going to get to know our church family a little bit better. So why don't we start with Lauren Weinzerl? Just put her out of her misery. <laughs> just put her out of her misery. So the first question about Lauren is people close to Lauren think she is weird because? That's actually not a question. It's actually a statement. And the, and, and the person who's close to you says that you love challenges. She loves a challenge. So we might duke it out with her later. Second is a special talent that Lauren has that most people don't know is that she can do waterfall braids, which... <laughs> which I found out. <laughs> now you know what that was about, which I've seen a picture of. Google waterfall braids if you've never seen it. It's actually quite impressive, honestly. Uh, Lauren's favorite thing to do for fun is, and you might need to clarify this, Netflix and bathe. So I don't know if that's like a simultaneous. Like you have the ba bathroom door open as you like do the Netflix and you're like. I just watch it on my phone. In the bath. Netflix and bathe. <laughs> Love it. People closest to Lauren know that the way to make her happy 
is to buy her any type of gift. Oh, that, that's great. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Remember that. You want to express love to Lauren. She loves I gifts. Okay, that's enough now, Lauren. Okay. When she dies, she hopes that her obituary could say this about her. Here, <laughs> here lies Lauren Snapchat streak queen. <laughs> that's really good. I it, it is. So I won't reveal who said that about you, but that's... Uh, here. I'll, say, I'll say that about you. Lauren Snapchat streak queen. That's a bit of a thing to tongue twister. No, I'm not going to do that because you wind up saying four-letter words, and that's not helpful, I'm sure. Okay, so thank you, Lauren. You can stay up here if you want to, or you can sit down either way. And now we're going to go to, to my friend Jason Faraday, who, you know, everyone already kind of knows him, but, but I thought it'd still be fun. So people close to Jason think he's weird because... He will talk to anyone, anywhere, at any time. <laughs> that is spot on. A special talent that Jason has that most people don't know about is he played the bassoon. He rocked it like a hurricane. So that might need to feature in, in, in one of these worship moments, perhaps. No, actually not. Um, his favorite thing to do for fun is smoking meat and hanging with his family, biking or playing soccer, which technically speaking is four things. But, uh, but nonetheless, unless you somehow smoke meat while hanging, biking, and playing soccer simultaneously. And when he dies, um, he hopes that his obituary could say this about him. He loved and obeyed God no matter the cost, and his wife and son were everything to him. And I read that and thought, you are ready to die, actually. Awesome. Yeah. It's not a setup. <laughs> it's, not a setup. <laughs> it's not a setup. But, but I, I think that those are appropriate words for you, sir. And uh, I, I, last and certainly not least, Trisha Krasinski. Um, I, I really loved these answers about her. People closest to Trisha think that she's weird because Trisha's friends may think she is weird because on the outside she appears very, quote, girly or, quote, prissy. But in reality, Trish has no problem jumping into a swamp to catch a snake, turtle, or frog with the kids. So we're learning our friends right now. Uh, a special talent that Trisha has that most people don't know about is that she is half amphibian and half Navy SEAL, minus the combat aspect. She is capable of swimming extremely long distances regardless of water temperature and can float like a bobber. <laughs> she has floating skills. <laughs> Trisha's favorite thing to do for fun is boating, kayaking, swimming, probably swimming, being on the water, in the water, or near the water. I would have never known this had we not gone through this exercise. Uh, people close to Trisha know that the way to make her happy is be kind, respectful, loving, appreciative, and honest to one another, taking her to, pr uh, correct my pronunciation, Chocha, Chocha Meliko. Chocha Meliko. Yeah, I know, in, the, in Southwest, right? Mexican town? Yeah. So, uh, so taking her there 
doesn't hurt either. So I have, I have ideas for us and the Krasinski family. And um, when Trisha dies, she hopes that her obituary could say this. Trish devoted her life to her family and to the Lord and was cherished by her family. She was admired by all who were fortunate enough to have crossed her path. She leaves behind a handsomely devastated <laughs> husband. <laughs> no, it's your kids, a collaborative effort. Your kids, your kids just thought that about their dad. So, yeah, honoring, honoring what honors do. So, awesome. So, having said all these things, let's go enjoy some coffee, some, some fellowship. And my wife is reminding me, please sign up on the coffee table which apparently is run by Aaron, um, for things that you can bring in terms of food for this uh, upcoming Thursday midweek meal. So thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you're building. Thank you for, for uh, the reality of oneness. And Lord, we want to agree here on earth, even 2,000 years later, with what you prayed while you were hanging on that cross. And we don't want to take that lightly. Thank you that you have called us by your grace to come into what you started and that your objective always has been oneness. The restoration of oneness with you, with the Father, but also in a lateral sense with one another. So Lord, we want to agree with that prayer. And I want to encourage you right now, even right now, let's all agree that any form of judgment any form of criticisms or things that would cause us to sideline anyone in this room or anyone in the city, right now, Lord, we, we want to ask that you would fill our hearts with your grace and your love. And we reckon any of those things as the enemy. They are not our friends. We reject it. We reject it from our heart, from our thinking, and we choose to love everybody even as you have loved everybody. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray tonight that what you would do amongst us would resound as a testimony to the city and even beyond of what heaven looks like, of what you look like, that they would know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen.